It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Life and football are very similar. Without an identity, you will not achieve your ultimate prize. Defense wants championships. Pride and passion meet success. You got to love what you do. Thank you for listening to the East West Football Podcast with Jerry Martinez, Kendall Whitley, and now here is your host, Fidel Barraza. Good morning, good morning. Thank you for watching the East West Live Football Podcast, right? So uh, today I got, it's just, I'm going to host it down. Today I got Kendall with me. It's our special guest today. So uh, we, today we got Chris Broussard. So uh, let's go ahead and bring him on. Chris, good morning. How you guys doing? What's going on, Chris? I'm good, fellas. I'm excited about being on. Thank you so much. So normally when, when we have a guest on, we usually do a round of applause. So let me go ahead and give you a round of applause, all right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, so, that's, uh, nice. that's nice to come on to. <laughs> hey man, you 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 have <laughs> been uh you've been one of the most polarizing uh sports journalists of of sports media in general uh for for a, for a while now. Uh, I think I, I think I remember you most uh, with the ESPN days. Uh, but uh, if you can, just kind of tell us a little bit about that. I mean, I mean, now you're with FS1, um, and you've been able to do uh, a couple of of, of great things. Uh, how's how's that transition been for you personally, uh, professionally? Uh, it's been great. I went to Fox Sports One in 2016 from ESPN, and uh, it's been it's been more than I could actually hope for, to be honest. Uh, I've made the move because ESPN wanted to keep me in a strictly reporting role uh, as an NBA reporter. And Fox Sports 1 wanted me more as a personality, commentator, opinionist. And as you see, that's what I've become at Fox Sports 1. I have my own national radio show, The Eye Couple, along with my co-host Rob Parker. Uh, I didn't have a radio show at ESPN. I did. I filled in at times for Stephen A. Smith, uh, Mike and Mike in the morning, but I didn't have the opportunity to get my own show. And then television, you know, I'm a co-host now, First Things First, uh, Monday through Fridays. And again, that's an opportunity that I didn't get at ESPN. Uh, I was on, you know, I filled in a lot. I was a I went against Skip Bayless on first take a lot uh, back in the day and did all the other shows. 
But as far as having my own show, um, this was my first opportunity. So it's been great. Um, the shows are going well, and um, I, I couldn't be happier with the move. Hey, man, and you've been putting out some really good content, too. Uh, uh, you know, on the uh, – you work I, you, you work with Rob Barker, but you've been recently with uh, Vili, right? VJ, uh, VJ Husky. He, yes. Well, he, he fills in. When Rob's off, he's one of the guys that'll fill in. Uh, Ephraim Salam, George Reister, Rob Guerra, who's our producer for the Odd Couple, and VJ. That's kind of – those are some of the guys, Aaron Torres, those are some of the guys that have filled in for Rob. So VJ, you know, he tries to make the most of that, his opportunity. So we have fun. <laughs> well, let's talk about that, man. Cause I mean, uh, you've recently, you've had a couple of takes. Uh, I, I believe you guys talked about the Raiders, right? The now right. the Raiders, Raiders have added some, some, uh, you know, they have new, they have a new coaching staff. They've added some 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 talent on offense and defense. Uh, do you, are you still standing with uh with with the placement? And if you could just share where you feel they're going to fall in that very tough AFC West division. Yeah, I, I never said they were going to be third in the division. Um, I was on first things first, and we had a question where we asked, "What's more likely?" Who's yeah. more likely to uh, exceed expectations? And for the Raiders, the, the expectations were eight and a half wins. And for the Jacksonville Jaguars, it was six and a half. So I said the Raiders were more likely um, in large part because I'm not a believer in the Jags, although I do like Trevor Lawrence. And um, I think there's a possibility there's a chance that the Raiders could finish third in that division. I mean, everybody looks at it uh, and they seem to be behind, you know, the other three teams. I like Kansas city best in the division. I'm a big Patrick Mahomes fan. Um, it may not seem like it because I'm not as overboard as Nick Wright is with the chiefs, but, but I do love Patrick Mahomes. I think I was the first one or one of the first ones nationally to say that I think he had GOAT potential. Now, I, I wasn't saying he's the GOAT already or anything like that, but I think he's got GOAT potential. But obviously, he's going to have to, you know, play it out and win a lot of championships. I don't think he has to win seven, but he has to win probably at least at least five and have numbers that are through the roof, you know, to, uh, to challenge Tom Brady. But... Uh, and then I like, I'm a big Russell Wilson fan, Mr. Unlimited, I believe, you know, so I think he's going to go to Denver, Tim Patrick, that injury hurts, but they still, you know, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, nice running back core. Um, obviously the defense is tough and Wilson is a leader, you know, and I think he's going to get that chance to shine. Um, so I think that Denver is going to be the second best team in the division. And then, I think the Raiders and Chargers will kind of fight it out for that third spot. Uh, I like Justin Herbert a lot. Um, Brandon Staley, I think is solid, but, you know, I think a lot of his, you know, he's going to have to tamper down that, that fourth down, his fourth down stuff when he's going for it all the time. <laughs> you know? um, so uh, you, you have a nice, there's a happy medium between yeah. never going for it and just going for it all the time, you know? So, um, 
but yeah, I think that those are those two teams will battle for that third spot. And I and what I say is I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm giving the Raiders a chance to take it from the Chargers. Well, speaking of, right, we got uh Fidel chiming in. Uh this is his prediction, and I guess he wants it to be known, right? Eleven win season coming up for the Raiders. So I mean Eleven is gonna be tough. I do think that team. I think that division is gonna have three teams. I think, okay. um, and then I think um, the South will have one, and then the North and East are gonna have to battle to see which team has two. I think the Dolphins could be the second team in the East. Obviously, Buffalo. I think is gonna be the first, and then in the 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 North will be interesting. You know, um, Cleveland, obviously, we will have to see what happens with Deshaun Watson. But, yes. uh, you know, Pittsburgh will be down. Cincinnati, it's going to be interesting. You know, you don't automatically get back to the playoffs just because you went to the Super Bowl and lost. So, uh, and then Baltimore, I'm expecting Lamar to play well, but I'm not expecting him to go back to his MVP form of three years ago. So, We'll see, um, but it's going to be – the AFC is legit. But, yeah, the AFC West is one of the best divisions we've seen in a long time. So, 11 – I think 11 is kind of ambitious. Um, but, hey, if you're a Raiders fan, I think they might get 10. So, why not go for 11 if you think they can get 10? Yeah, yeah. I mean, early projections, I had them either eight – anywhere from that 8 to 11 win kind of, kind of season – uh, right. 11 does seem kind of ambitious though. Uh, but I mean, that's what that's how we've always known Fidel, man. He, he's he's Raiders all the way through, and with them, it's he's almost like uh, he's he's it's he's a part of that 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 Raider nation that that it's almost like Cowboys every year is their year. So, uh, <laughs> but but transitioning, right? You, you you did mention a team that you also talked about recently, the Dolphins, right? And there's a lot, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of steam, you know, growing up. I, I I mean, they've added, they've been able to add a big time name on the off season, and we're talking about Tyreek Hill. Uh, overall, it's Tua's third third year, and he has all the the pieces in place. Uh, do you do you feel that they could succeed, the Patriots, in that division? Oh, I I think they're better than the Patriots. Um, they're not better than Buffalo, but I think they're the second best team in that division. And Tua, look, we'll see what he can do. If he's going to, if he's a good quarterback, this will be his year because he's got everything he needs. The offensive line has improved. Uh, you, you mentioned Tyreek Hill. They added, um, obviously they already had Jalen Waddle. They got a host of running backs now, um, just is a good tight end and the defense is legit like and you got a coach I think Mike McDaniel coming under Kyle Shanahan for five years I think McDaniel is going to be he seems to be you know you never know what a guy's gonna be as a head coach even if he was a great coordinator but McDaniel seems to be a guy that you know you think would be very imaginative and creative and good offensively and he seems to believe in Tua. So you have Tua has everything he could hope for. And so if he doesn't deliver, then he's just a bust. 
but I think he's I don't know I'm not saying he's gonna be one of the top quarterbacks in the league but I do think he's got talent he's very accurate certainly with the with the uh underneath stuff um and now you know he's got he's got a few guys that can turn small short passes into huge gains and you know we'll see if he can throw the deep ball you know because he's obviously got deep threat a deep threat now but um I like I think the Dolphins could be strong and and here's the thing about Tua he went 13 and 8 as a starter his accuracy was solid and um he was a solid I thought he was okay for a guy that had the worst offensive line in football. So people are, well, he was getting rid of the ball. Well, yeah, of course he was, because the, the pressure was coming, you know. Um, he only, he didn't have a ton of weapons, and he had a coach that didn't believe in him, you know, Brian Flores. And so mm. he, I thought under those circumstances, he did okay. So now the tables have turned, everything's in his favor. If he doesn't deliver, it's on him. And um, and I will say if he don't deliver, it's his fault. But I think he'll be solid. I think he can throw for four grand, you know, and because um, he's got the weapons. So we'll see. Well, the Dolphins are the Dolphins, the Dolphin fans, right? The the, the whole the whole pack. They got to hope. They they got to hope that this is the year because, I mean, we saw what they lost in the offseason. They lost a first round pick and a fourth round pick for. Uh, the the tampering, so you know, right? Uh, so this is a big year for Tua, Kendall. What do you? I mean, you, you, I know you had to chime in. This is your division, Kendall. <laughs> yeah, Chris, uh, I agree with you. I think the Dolphins are better than my Patriots. I know you can see I'm a Patriots what? fan behind me. They they're much they're not they're much better than my they're much better than my Patriots. I, I believe in Tua. I know a lot of people don't, but I do believe in. But I want to uh, transition a little bit to basketball and talk about the Kevin Durant latest news. What do you think is going to get traded to, and when do you think something's going to happen? Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it, it it does seem like I believe that he was not going to get traded. Obviously, that's still a possibility. But with his ultimatum, you know, saying Sean Marks and Steve Nash or him, and then you saw the tweet from the owner, Joe Side, that he backs up his coach and, and GM. Um, It's going to be interesting because, again, First of all, the market for Durant was not what he expected, right? Teams aren't ready to break up their core for him. And this latest news is not going to help him. One thing GMs do, they want to win, but maybe even even more than they want to win, they want to keep their job. (laughs) And so Durant is a guy that, wasn't you know happy in Oklahoma City had everything going for him in Golden State obviously he got some criticism because the team was so stacked without him but still things were going in his favor um and and to be honest after they lost to Toronto without him had he come back the following year and helped him win the championship or or he wouldn't have even played that year right because he had the Achilles. So the the near after that, like, let's just say, let's just say Durant was on the team this year in Golden State and they won the championship. All that talk about them not needing Durant and they won it without him, that would have been gone. 
Because it would have been like, we saw him lose to Cleveland up 3-1 without Durant. We saw him lose to Toronto without Durant. And now he leads them back to another championship. All the talk about Steph Curry being top 10 would have been about Kevin Durant being top 10. And so he was in a great situation and he wasn't happy there. So GMs are looking at it like, okay, he's a great player. But if I bring him in and he's not happy, you know, the the Nets have given him what he wants. And if he comes here and he's not happy and he's going to be pointing at me, I'm really not trying to bring that in, especially when I can't guarantee we're going to win a championship. You know, so I don't think this helps his trade value. So it's going to be interesting. Look, if I were the Nets, I know they've tried this year. Their whole offseason has been about regaining control of the franchise. Um, Not letting KD and Kyrie run things. Well, look, they put their foot down with Kyrie. He only signed a one-year deal. That was good. Um, I got to be honest, man. You win in this league with superstars. I would at the very least, if I'm Joe Sy, I know he doesn't want to give Durant the power, but I, I would I would get a new coach. I would get rid of Steve Nash because Nash hasn't really done a good job anyway. All right. Sean Marks, I'll probably try to talk with Durant about, look, we'll get rid of Nash, but not Marks. You know, um, and I'm not saying Marks is great, but I just don't know that you want to give a guy that much control. Now, look, the Nets can play hardball and say, right. dude, if you want to play, and I, and, and my my demeanor, I would play hardball. Mm-hmm. I would go to the owner and be like, look, let's not trade. If this dude is, if he's, because this is what Pat Riley did with LeBron and, and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. When they wanted, I'm not sure if Wade, but the other two were not high on Eric Spolster. And a lot of the team wasn't. And Eric or Pat Riley said, look, LeBron and others, if you're going to win, it's going to be with this guy, with Eric Spolster. Now, if you want to lollygag and you don't want to play hard and you want to pout because you don't think he's a good the coach for you, do it. And waste your career. He didn't say all that, but I'm just, you know, it's implied. You can waste your, your season. Pressure's on you, not me. If you're going to win, it's going to be here with Eric Spolstra. And you, the rest is history. And Josiah could do that. He could do that with the Nets, at least this year. He could be like, look, KD, <clears throat> you're going to be 34 in September. You've been injured the better part of the last three years. You played 90 games in the last three years. You're, you're, you're closer to the end than you are to the beginning. We tried to trade you. Nobody was willing to give up what you're worth. So if you want to sit out and waste this season, I can sit out. I'm a billionaire. All right? I don't. This is a hobby for me, dude. I don't need. I'm not going to kowtow to you. All right, he could do that if he wanted. That's the type of personality I have. We paying you all this money and you play 90 games for us. And I'll give you, again, I'll give you a new coach because I don't think Nash has done a great job. But you're not going to get a new GM. And again, not because Sean Marks is some, is Jerry West, but just because, you know, I don't want to necessarily give you all that power. 
And so, uh, but we'll see. Look, a lot of players have a lot of power. It's going to be interesting, man. If I, I will say this. If I'm the Nets, I'm still not trading Durant for uh, Jalen Brown for probably pennies on the dollar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pennies on. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I'd do that. We'll see what the real offer is. But you know, if I'm if I'm gonna trade him to Boston, I'm I'm gonna have to get the best better part of the deal. Because Boston is in there, not only in their conference, but in their division. Mm -hmm. All right. Boston is the team that fleeced them nine years ago for, you know, when they traded for Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and got all those draft picks. And that's what's put Boston into contender status today. So I'm not going to let them rob us again. Give them a championship. Give them Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum. Come on. So. You know, we'll see what kind of backbone the Nets have. But I I, I don't think I would have put that tweet out if I'm Joe Sy. You know, GMs and coaches don't win. I mean, coach is important, but still, they're both important. Right. But superstar players are what win in this league and keep you relevant. And so it's going to be real interesting. We have yeah, somebody jumping in. They want to say hi real quick. Uh, we got Jay in the Bay. So this is a big-time 49ers YouTuber. It says what's good. Jay. East West Jay crew. Jay in the One. Bay is his name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, yeah. What's up, hey, man? hey, he goes. Y'all got a legend on today, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, he kept on going too, man. Uh, you know yeah. the emoji signs and and look, Chris Richard and Rob Parker show is the goats. And uh, <laughs> he also wants he also wants to chime in. KD should stay in Brooklyn. He wasn't happy when he rings with the Warriors. KD will never be happy. <laughs> <laughs> he should he should stay in Brooklyn. I mean, real talk, he needs to look in the mirror and say, I got outplayed by Jason Tatum. Ooh. You know, point, well, Chris, I, I know great Steve, Nash, Steve Nash didn't put him in positions necessarily to, to best positions to succeed. But y'all, y'all, KD and Kyrie have to take some responsibility. Oh, yeah. And understand that they, they thought we can, man, we can go ISO all the time. Can't nobody stop right. us. Well, we found out <laughs> differently, right? Because they stopped both of y'all for the most part. So, you know, I, I just, KD has got to take responsibility. And um, he should stay in Brooklyn because I will say this. If he got traded to Golden State or if he got traded to Boston and they were able to keep Jason Tatum and several of their good role players, he would have a better chance of winning a championship then than he does in Brooklyn. But outside of that, there's really nowhere realistically he could go to have a better chance to win. Now, I don't think Brooklyn would win it because of their mentalities. They, they don't have the intangibles. Ben Simmons, we, we don't know where he's at mentally. Kyrie, yeah. you know, is unpredictable. And KD is showing you right now he ain't a leader. And so... And he's not willing to look in the mirror and say, I got to get better. And so um, those are the things that keep you from winning championships. So they'd be good. They'd be a contender. But I don't think they win a championship. But, hey, it's a business. And I'd like to be good and a contender and relevant and on national TV and sexy and all that. <laughs> and that's what they'd be with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So not well, with Charles Mark and Steve Nash and a bunch of role players. All right, Walter. Walter Stringer says, "Why won't the Nets just do things organically? 
which is a great question, I think. Um, you what know, does he mean organically? I, 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 I believe I believe it's more like team building. Like, why don't you just start building from the bottom up? You know, man, look, all right, that's that's nice to say, all right, but Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving told the Nets three years ago, we're coming. It had nothing to do with the coach. It had nothing to do with the GM. They wanted to go. There. What team is turning that down? No one. Let's keep it real. No one is turning and, that and, down. And, and you win with superstars. There have been two teams in the last 40-some-odd years to win cha- a championship without a superstar. Seattle Supersonics in 1979. Wow. And the Detroit Pistons in nineteen eighty uh, in 2004. That's it. Yeah. So you all this team building people. I've seen people say, oh, we, we were better off with Dinwiddie and the Karis LeBird and, you know, that crew that played hard. Okay, that's nice, but their ceiling was second round. Ceiling. And I get wow. it. They, the Nets have only gotten to the second round with Durant, but they've been hurt. Right, they've been banged up, or Kyrie wasn't playing because of the vaccination, which impacted him in the first round because he wasn't, you know, the chemistry wasn't there, and so that's what I say to KD. He hasn't given it a chance, and as good as he is, as good as Kyrie is, as good as Ben Simmons is, if he's if his mind is right, and as good as their role players are, as role players, you you don't sell yourself short, man. Give it a chance. You know, don't sell yourself short. You you you're better than that. Be be the man and say, "Well, what we got with what I got to rock with, we can win it." Right. Wow, Chris, that's some great deep insight on the Kevin Durant situation. Lastly, before we get you out of here, I want to talk about your King your King Summit. I had a chance to meet you in Charlotte with a great event down in Charlotte. Um, when's the next one? And just tell the crowd a little bit about your event. Yeah, the King Movement is a national men's uh, movement organization. We're trying to strengthen men to be great husbands, fathers, leaders, citizens, role models in their community. Uh, We're a faith-based organization. Um, And the summit is just a national conference. And we have speakers that deal with issues from from finances to sex to uh, Black history to... um, you know, uh, all types of stuff, uh, all types of issues that men that are important and pertinent to men. So our next one, you went to the one, Kendall. It was great to meet you there in Charlotte. Our next one will be March, uh, the weekend of March 10th and 11th in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It'll start that Thursday night, which I, I think might be the ninth. It'll start that Thursday and then go into Sunday uh church service but it's go it's a great time Kendall you can speak to that it's great fellowship brothers coming together uh for positive purposes to help build up themselves to be better men and to help build up their families and their communities to be better and stronger men so that's what we need in this day and age and I just keep it real it's a lot of uh crazy notions out there about mm-hmm. what manhood is about what is or is not and so it's important to really um you know set a standard for what true manhood is about and that's what we do at the king summit yes i appreciate it chris 
Yeah. Chris, right before I let you right before I let you off, uh, I, I had said I want to talk about the 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 devaluation of the running back position because that's something you talked about. I think it's a good topic. Um, so before I let you go, I just kind of I just kind of want to get 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 some you know a little, little bit of feedback on that. Uh, me, I'm a cowboy fan. Obviously, you could tell right with my apparel and <laughs> and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, the, the it looks like. You know, uh, it looks like Jerry Jones has put the back, uh, put the ball in Zeke's hands now, and this is, this is, this is. He says this is, it needs to, get, it needs to get back on him. But why, why do you think that the, uh, do, do you think it's maybe the success of maybe what you've seen with Kyle Shanahan has been able to do with any running back? Do you think that's maybe more of the reason why the devaluation of the running back has been? we've been seeing that in the NFL as of late? I think there are a lot of reasons. I think, number one, uh, the game, the rules have changed to benefit the passing game, right? True. Um, if you look now if at the numbers that the quarterbacks put up compared to legends, legends, Roger Staubach, Terry Bradshaw, even Joe Montana, uh, Brett Favre, look at their numbers back in the day compared to these guys today. And you would think those dudes didn't know what they were doing. Some of them, the interceptions were very close to how many touchdowns they had career-wise. You know, everybody ripped uh, Jameis Winston the year he had 33 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. Brett Favre did that a lot, <laughs> you know. And he's a legend, you know, but the reason is not because those guys weren't great quarterbacks. It's because you could get hit. You could hit the quarterback back then and you could hit the receivers, you know? And so the passing game was much tougher back then. I know it's things have gotten more sophisticated uh, in a lot of ways. and, And these quarterbacks are really good today. But my point is the rules have changed to protect the quarterback and protect the receivers and benefit the offense and benefit the passing game. So that's one thing. Secondly, always having a great running back. Um, A lot of times a great running back has, even as he's great, and maybe he's been the workhorse, you still have also had a really good quarterback, if not great quarterback with him or, you know, defense, receivers. Like, building a team around the running back, I don't know that that works. I mean, O.J. Simpson played one playoff game. True. He's the best run, one of the best running backs ever. Uh, Eric Dickerson never won a Super Bowl. Uh, as great, he might be the greatest running back ever. I think there's an argument for him. Um, Jim Brown won it in a little bit of a different day, you know, in the 60s. Uh, Barry Sanders never won, I think, won one playoff game. Played in six, but won one. Uh, So these are some of the absolutely best. Now, Emmitt Smith, yes, he did uh, win a Super Bowl, but, you know, they were a stacked team. Uh, Walter Payton won a Super Bowl later in his career and was was great that year. But most of his career, he was the workhorse on a bad team, and he was awesome, but they weren't a very good team. So I think some of that, thinking um and i think analytics 
while I, I love to see the workhorse, I love seeing a Derrick Henry and a Jonathan Taylor, guys who are going to get the ball 20-plus times a game and, and maybe break one. There's nothing in football more beautiful than the, you know, the 60-yard the scamper from a running back, you know. Um, but most teams, and I think analytics may tell them, look, you know, well, I won't, I won't put it this on analytics in this regard, but a lot of times some of the best backs might not be great receivers. And so on third down, they're bringing in a, a scat back who's a little better at catching the ball, you know. And now you, now you don't have as many three down backs. And so all of those things have conspired to, I think, take away from the uh, the value of a, a great running back. And I'm going to be honest, as much as I love a great running back, I do feel like if I were building a team, like I thought the Giants were out of their minds for drafting Saquon Barkley as high as they did. And I mean, it wasn't that he wasn't good. And obviously he's had some injury issues and all that. We'll see what he turns into. But it was just like, a running back in the day's game that high is ridiculous. And I can get, I really, as much as I love a Derrick Henry, a Jonathan Taylor, a Nick Chubb, I know that if I've got a really good line, if I've got a passing game, like those would be my priorities. If I have those things in place, and even if you want to say a defense, I can get, I can get a running back that's going to be productive. I mean, really. Kareem Hunt was drafted when? Third round, I believe. Uh, yes. uh, Alvin Kamara, I believe. Third round. You right. know, like, I can get, I can find a great, uh, a guy. If I got the line and I got the other threats, I can, it's a lot of brothers out there with speed and some moves, you know? <laughs> and I mean, I can get one. And so I, I think all of that goes into the devaluation of the running back. Not to mention the Debo Samuels now, right? That are stepping in as wide receivers that can do all these. Yeah, crazy- I mean Debo is unique. I don't want to say that that's going to become a pattern. We'll see. It might, but I, I don't think so. He's unique. Um, you, we've always seen reverses and things like that. Oh, yeah. But he's actually a guy that can run up the middle and stuff. I think Debo Samuel is one of the best, and I know it's early. So he'll have to live it out or walk it out, play it out, whatever. He's one of the best football players in the league. Football players. Yes. And there's a difference. Like, I, I push back against the notion that Tom Brady is the best football player ever. Because like- I think he's the best quarterback ever. He's the greatest quarterback. But I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm old school. When I think of football player. I don't think of a dude running a 5-4-40 or whatever he ran, 5-6-5-2, whatever it was. If you – if you, I don't know if you guys played football, but if you put guys through a gauntlet of training, they had to block, they had to tackle, they had to sprint, they had to catch, they had to throw, you know, football. You would never come away if you watched all these guys go through all that. Oklahoma, I know they can't do the Oklahoma drill anymore, but stuff like that. Yeah. You would never say Tom Brady is the best one of those guys. You know, you might say a Lawrence Taylor. You might say a Jerry Rice. You might say a Jim Brown. You know, you might say an Aaron Donald even. 
you know. But Micah Part like Parsons got a long way to go too. But I'm just saying yeah. football. I actually think the quarterback position has become so different and so protected that it should be treated like pitching in baseball. Mm, and I so like how you have the Cy Young Award for the best pitcher, then you have your MVP. Now, maybe it'll be a pitcher every now and then. But for the most part, it's for the baseball players. It's not for the guy that can pitch. And that's how I'm starting to view quarterback. It should be a quarterback award. Call it the Johnny Unitas Award, the Peyton Manning Award, whatever you want to call it. And then the 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 real football players, you know, <laughs> I say that tongue in cheek, but you know, give an yeah. MVP to one of those dudes because it's so different now. But there's no way I'm saying Tom Brady's the greatest football player ever. But because of his achievements and what he and he's the best quarterback, you're gonna rank him fairly high. But Football player, I would put some of these other guys ahead of him. Chris, this is truly. I'm giving y'all bonus. I'm giving y'all bonus tracks, man. I'll, I'll tell you this much right now. <laughs> this is one of the most memorable uh, live podcasts that we've ever done. The, the traction that we've gotten so much. I mean, look at look look look. Let's let's look at some of the interaction that we've gotten from from our audience. Look at this. Uh, they, they, okay. So they've never done anything organically. They sold a small village, a small country for D will KG and the truth. Right. I guess they're referring to, uh, I guess they're referring to the Celtics, right? Well, look, the, the greatest, the, they, they were organic before KD and Kyrie got there. He's right. When they, when they went and added around D will and, um, with KG and Pierce and all that, Joe Johnson, but, the think about it the best outside of the aba with dr j the best run that that franchise has ever had was by trading for jason kidd mm. you know now carrie kittles keith van horn and Kenyon martin were organic but it took they weren't very good with stefan marbury once they went and got they traded for jay kidd so i don't know if he thinks that's organic or not but yeah, you know, look, it, there's different ways to build. You know, I, there's nothing wrong with organic, but if you can get superstars in the NBA, man, you do it. I don't blame them for taking KD and Kyrie. Come on, who? Everybody would have done that. No, yeah, for sure. Uh, somebody showed us the the uh, Walt gave us some love for your King, the 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 King group, Jane the Bay. He says we'll there's look only for you Walt. We'll look for you at the summit. <laughs> Jane Bay. Jaden Bay said there's only one Debo. Uh, he says uh, 49ers love drafting running backs on day three. And no doubt running back uh, position is devalued. History has shown it's not a good idea to sign a workhorse running back. A second lucrative contract extension. Look at Zeke, McCaffrey, et cetera. I think, yeah, I think they're all key points. Uh, and then that's true, the early two, 2000 net. So, uh, man, we've got a lot of traction today, Chris. I, uh, I just want to say thank you so much. I know, I know that we can find you on FS1, uh, but is there anywhere else where people can go maybe to get more information on the King or, or just to stay, uh, 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 stay in touch with you? You know, uh, is yeah, there, um, what's your social media accounts? Yeah, well, if anybody – I do speaking around the country, uh, colleges, churches, corporations, whatever it may be. Uh, if you're interested in having me come in as a speaker, you can go to Chris Broussard Speaks, ChrisBroussardSpeaks.com, and mm-hmm. book me. Um, 
for internet informat my Instagram is Chris Broussard 68. Uh, my Twitter is Chris underscore Broussard. My uh, if you want to learn more about the King Movement, you can go to kingmovement.com, www.kingmovement.com, or you can email us at king at kingmovement.com. Uh, and that's how you can find out more about the organization and, and me. So I appreciate y'all time and y'all keep up the good work. Um, Patriots, Cowboys, I will say this. Y'all need some new team. Um, hey, Chris, I, tell, tell me. I, I mean, Kendall, Kendall, look, Kendall's had a run that could carry him for the rest of his life. So I, I get right. that. My man, look, I know there are a whole generation of young people growing up like, why in the world are the Cowboys America's team? <laughs> like, what? Like, what? This makes no sense. Like, it really? Like, they're like, they think we're crazy for, for entertaining the Cowboys like this. And I remember them. I know why they are. And I remember I was a big Steelers fan as a kid. And I, <laughs> I, I, I the Cowboys were their rival. But I remember how great the Cowboys were with Starbuck and Dorsett and Drew Pearson and Hollywood Henderson and Tall Jones and so on and so forth. And then, of course, the 90s run. But since then, my man, whoo, it's, it's, it's been, been ugly. It's, it's, and Jerry's the issue. Jerry's the issue. I think it's Stephen Jones. Opera. I think it's Stephen Jones. But but Jerry's the face, yes. Well, they drafted talent. They Stephen Jones has drafted talent. Jerry, Jerry is too – see – Jerry's problem is he wants the credit. Mm-hmm. He would I rather right. he he when they were winning with Jimmy Johnson's crew, and Jerry wasn't getting all the credit. He was upset. He, he didn't want it, right? That's you're absolutely right. He would rather. I, I don't want to say he'd rather lose, but he wants to. He's not going to remove himself and hire football people to do the football things. And stay out of it. And here's the thing. This is the ironic part about Jerry ruining his franchise, turning him into a drama, a soap opera. They're not a football franchise. They're a drama. They're a soap (laughs) opera. They are like Bull Durham. They're like a drama that is set in football. But their story ain't really about the football. It's about the drama. You know what I'm saying? Bull Durham wasn't really about baseball. It was about the drama. You know, and that's what they he's turned him into. And here's the sad thing. If he would just step back, let some other guys handle it, not talk every week, just chill, be in the booth, you know, in the in the, the loge during games, but don't talk after every game, don't talk every week on the radio. And they won, guess who would get credit? Cherry. Oh, with Jerry. Robert Kraft gives credit. Robert Kraft gives credit. The Roonies get credit. Right? You know, you don't need to be genie. Jerry Buss got credit for the Lakers. He wasn't talking all the time. If you're the owner, you're going to get the credit. Ultimate. You might not get the lion's share, but you people are going to credit you and look at you as a great owner. But that's not enough for Jerry. So pick a new team, my man. <laughs> hey, Chris. Hey, tell tell Nick to lay off my Patriots, man. He be giving us a hard time. 
<laughs> Look, man, I've said this before. I don't know where you're at on this, but there's been talk. Who, who, who was more responsible, Brady or Belichick? And I'll give you Belichick. I, I think you probably got to call him the goat coach, but, and he did a lot with Tom Brady. Don't get me wrong. He helped develop Brady when he was younger and no defenses were great. And, you know, he, he did a great job with him. But if you have to pick which one deserves more of the credit, it's clearly Brady. Belichick's coached eight years in the NFL without Tom Brady. Made the playoffs twice. All right? Twice. And so that's all I'm saying. The proof is in the pudding. So we'll see. I mean, I don't like them not having an offensive coordinator. I don't like them putting stuff in the hands of Matt Patricia. It's not looking, it's not looking good so far in training camp. No, I mean, what? what is that? So, you know. I heard Matt pick Patricia. Team. You, you pick a new team too. Nah, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing. Like I said, you, you've eaten enough. You're full enough to, to go through the next 12 years of fasting, which is what you're probably going to do. You know? <laughs> well, I All right, fellas. It, I enjoyed it, man. Y'all keep up the good work. And that, and that, and that actually – that does it for us. So thank you all for tuning in until next time. Introducing the deep leadership podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric Acid.